Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And I'm on with Ryan Waters. And Ryan and I just got into kind of an interesting convo to talk about leadership, workplace culture, working from home, you know, being a parent, homeschooling. So there's some really interesting topics that we're going to explore here. Um, Ryan, what has been your your experience and your biggest kind of learnings during this time? Uh, uh, just uh, learning how we can all kind of adapt with one another and our schedules and, and just learning um, how to make it work, really. Um, it's, it's new uh, for all of us, um, some brand new, um, me not so much. Um, you know, early in my career, I worked from home. Um, I was in sales for, for quite a number of years. Uh, so working from a home office wasn't, wasn't so new for me. Uh, it was kind of a, um, you know, kind of an old thing. Uh, my wife, not so much, uh, but she kind of got into the flow pretty quick. Uh, but with the kids and the virtual learning thing, um, you know, it, it's a learning process, right? Just kind of getting into that routine and, and a schedule uh, when the, you know, the teacher sent everything out, just knowing when to go get it, when to buckle down and get things done. Um, and that's what I, I mean, that's what I typically recommend to everybody who's, uh, new to the whole working from home thing. It's, it's so absolutely critically important to find that routine. Um, you know, getting up every single day at the exact same time, um, you know, you know, brushing your teeth at the exact same time, getting the laptop on at the exact same time. So once you, once you get into that routine, um, now it's, it's become normal, right? Nothing, nothing can surprise you anymore after the first, you know, few weeks or whatever, um, you know what to expect and, and now you become comfortable with it. You know, I feel like there's kind of like these two schools of thought, you know, on one side it's schedule and time block. And then on the other side, it's adapt to whatever's happening in in your life. Yeah. <laughs> and to a certain extent, you have to you have to time block and you have to schedule because you know we're meeting with other people and we have to respect that. Mm-hmm. But um, but I I still haven't found uh what whatever my method is. I think it's some combination where <laughs> I will time block and I will have certain things scheduled up. But then sometimes when things happen, I realize that I need to stop trying and I need to stop yeah. trying to work and I need to just disengage, shut the computer off and hang out with my daughter because I, she might be sitting on my lap watching a movie right here and I'll just not be productive because I want to hang out with her. You know? And that's great. I mean, that's yeah. one of the, that's one of the beauty, uh, the beautiful things about working from home. And that's why you're, you're seeing so many advocates come out studies um, advocating for the work from home um, environment because it does lend itself to a more productive, not only environment, but, but overall workforce, because it gives you the opportunity to, okay, I need a timeout. I just need a break. I need to go 
you know, play with the dog, go throw the ball, or just, you know, sit down for 10 minutes and, and catch a, a quick movie with, with your kids. And that, that little piece of relaxation just relaxes your brain, your yeah. body, just gives you that, that reset um, that you didn't, you didn't normally have access to in the cubicle or, you know, the office, whatever the case may be. And it just offers that different um, workspace that just relaxes you. You don't have the general pressures that the office um, really throws at you. Um, And I I really do believe in that wholeheartedly. So it's so interesting. You know, I recall in, you know, my last corporate environment, you know, working in a building where you have your coworkers and you have your friends and, you know, you have, you take your lunch breaks and you go to the coffee shop and, you know, those moments of uh, hanging out, having fun, having conversations, you know, those are yeah. healthy. That, that's, that's what we do, right? Yeah. You know, the water cooler talk, you know, I, I think that when you look at it from at the human level that we all need that, we need some level of human or human interaction. Right. Uh, but when you look at it from a productivity perspective, you know, this is exactly what makes computers and robots so much more efficient than us, <laughs> that they don't need to take a coffee break. <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, you know, I think what's what's really interesting, though, is that we've effectively replaced that type of uh, rapport, that type of banter, that type of conversation with our colleagues in front of the water cooler mm-hmm. to now with family. And maybe right. our pets, right? And maybe ourselves, more time right. for ourselves. Oh, and no I, question. And and you know, I used to think how little time some people probably get to spend, some parents probably get to spend with their kids, oh. you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and that problem has effectively solved itself. And the irony, I think, is that according to the stuff that I'm reading and definitely experience, is that productivity is also higher. Absolutely. I, I've seen... Um, I've seen statistics as high as, what was it like, uh, an increase in productivity as high as 47% among uh, this particular tech firm's um, uh, productivity amongst their workforce because they're now working from home and everything we were just talking about. If you think about it, if you have a commute, um, I think the average commute time in the country is probably in the neighborhood of 45 minutes. Now you're, you're saving an hour and a half in the car ride to and from. Um, you're just, you know, whatever your routine is, you, you get to the, the, the laptop that much quicker. Um, all that time saved, the money saved um, on gas and, and everything else that goes along with uh, your time to and from the office, uh, food, everything that goes into it. Um, it just lends itself to a, a healthier, more relaxed workforce. Uh, a, you know, satisfaction is uh, what companies need to strive for amongst uh, their employees. And it's proven time and time and time again, study after study, that a happier workforce equals a more productive workforce. However you need to do that, whether it's allowing uh, work from home, uh, whether it's you know, a great uh, appreciation program, whatever the case may be, a, a happier workforce just lends itself to a more productive workforce. And if you sh- extrapolate all of that out, um, 
that then just naturally provides for uh, better products and services, uh, a more efficient uh, workplace, um, efficient manufacturing, whatever the case may be. Um, now you have a happier client base, um, which all where I'm going with this leads to a healthier bottom line, um, healthier, happier uh, employee, more efficient processes, happier client, healthier bottom line. I love, I love how you articulate that. And I think one of the things that I kind of gravitated to towards uh, in your LinkedIn bio was how one of, one of your uh, mantras is destroyer of dysfunction, pursuer of positivity. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I really connect to that. And I, I think it's important to talk about dysfunction in the workplace. You know, a lot of people don't talk about this. Uh, a lot of people, uh, it doesn't get exposed. It's something that just goes on and people sort of accept it and realize that, well, this is struggle and that I need to accept this if I want to be present here and to frankly have a job. And I think that ultimately, to your earlier point, that just affects happiness, it affects productivity, and ultimately, you know, yeah. bottom line. What are some of the things that you're seeing in terms of, might I call it, you know, corporate dysfunction or interpersonal dysfunction? What are you seeing that some of the, the biggest problems are that, I, that need to be solved right now? And, and how, frankly, how do we solve them? Well, I, I think the biggest problem is people don't have or feel uh, they have avenues to speak up um, if they see an issue that they might be having in the workplace, whether they feel bullied by another uh, employee, a colleague, um, if a manager isn't listening appropriately um, or giving them um, time to express ideas, suggestions for improvement within uh, the workplace. That's a real problem. Um, and a lot of that just kind of boils down to appropriate leadership, effective leadership, mm -hmm. um, right. you know, respecting the needs and the, right. the value that employees offer. Right. Right. Um, so when, when, when I look at, when I look at a, um, a business environment, I'm, I'm looking top down, right? What is what is the existing leadership uh, structure look like? How are the employees then uh, treated within that structure? Uh, because that then uh, that is how it will manifest itself um, in in the overall culture of the business. And if the culture overall is dysfunctional. Nothing else really matters. And when you talk about some of these things where a leader might not be empowering someone, a leader might be micromanaging someone, um, even to the extent of, of bullying, which, which might come from a hierarchical situation where someone okay. feels like they are entitled to bully. Um, what, what do you think, the, if you peel the onion back, what do you think the, the core essence of those emotions are? Uh, for for the one being bullied or the bullier for the for the bullier, <laughs> uh, I, I I just think well there's there's two different I think there's two different ways to look at it. There's 
you know, the, the leader who's been there forever and maybe they have a sense of entitlement. Mm. Uh, they have a sense of, you know, I've been here forever. You need to respect me. Mm. Um, versus somebody who's maybe new to leadership. Um, they just, and a lot of times, and this is no excuse by any means, but potentially they've never been taught the correct way to lead appropriately. They, they just, maybe they didn't have the correct mentor throughout their professional career up to that point. Um, yeah, they've, they've just never been that lucky to have somebody in their lives to pull them aside and say, Hey, what you did in there with your team, a, that was really great. Or B that was really horrible. I can't believe you said that out loud. Right. Um, so that's where I'd like to come in and be that, that person to grab them by the hand and, and just guide and mentor um, and say, this is what I've experienced throughout my career, both the good and the bad. This is the right way to do it. And this is clearly the wrong way to do it. But, but those feelings, um, those sentiments of, you know, I'm the king of the castle. You must do what I tell you to do. Those, those are real. People actually feel that way. And those are those are the typical, you know, stereotypical toxic leaders that we talk about so very often. And those are the ones that um, are so hard to remove from their positions, so hard to get out of the, the company. Um, but it, it's such a problem. It's such a problem. It is. It is. And and what you know, I remember. I remember going to this thing where everyone had to, there was always the books that we need to read, yeah. you know, on leadership, right? There's, there's yeah. like probably five go-to books. And I feel like all of those books, all the, the best-selling books that we kind of know about them, 50% or 60% of those books have now, it, they're not very, they're not very relevant anymore, you know? And I, because I, because I feel like the climate has changed so much. Yeah. Now, not to say that, I mean, there are some constructs that will, that will never change, you know, but, but there are some that will. And that evolution process is, I think, what mm -hmm. we're going through right now. So I personally would love to, you know, see a reboot on a lot of, on a lot of uh, texts that we're, that we know about. What, what yeah. Is what is your take on that? The new, the new face of, of guidance? Um, I, I, Actually, I love it. I think there's there's been a true paradigm shift. Mm. Um, it's slow, but it's real. And I think it's starting to catch on like that old guard uh, that I mentioned, you know, the old fuddy duddy sitting in the corner office, you know, with the buttoned up shirt and the tie and this is my place and you won't, you know, it's I call them the, the, the table pounders. Um, the, the, the table what? the table pounders, you know, oh, this is, yeah. it's, it's my the, way or the highway. The you know? buck stops here. Yeah. Um, it's that, it's that grenade on the desk. Like, you know, yeah. the, like, right. I, I, I think, I think that's starting to shift a little bit as some are, some of the newer generation folks who understand, you know, the, the empathy, the, the, 
leading through empathy, leading through emotional intelligence, leading through self-awareness. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's leading through uh, relevancy and empathy, you know, having been there and guiding them through the process through relevant experience is, is huge um, in my opinion. And I think that's, that's the paradigm shift that we're now seeing and just letting go and trusting your employees. You know, it's like the whole, the, the old Steve Jobs quote of, you know, hire, hire the best and get out of the way. Right. Mm, yeah. You know, th that's, that's so real. That's so true. It doesn't make any sense to stand over somebody's shoulder and, and babysit them all day. It, it just, you know, get out of the way. You know, if, if you don't trust them, why'd you hire them in the first place, which right. lends itself back to the whole working from home thing. If, if you don't trust them to work wherever they want, why did you hire them in the first place? Mm. Um, so you know, yeah, hire, hire the best possible talent you can get your hands on and let them do their thing. Um, and I think the new leadership today truly understands that we, we're not there yet. We have a long way to go. I mean, for somebody like me who wants to consult and advise leaders on how to do that appropriately, it, there, there's plenty of job security out there. Um, because I, I think there's a, it, it's, it can be learned, but I kind of say, I say this tongue in cheek, but to a certain extent, it's a personality disorder, right? Um, it's like people love power and, and controlling others. Um, but, but there's a way to lead, uh, and get the most out of people, get the most, you know, you can see potential in somebody and get the most out of them the right way. Uh, if that makes sense. And I, but I think that there's, there's a certain vulnerability that has to happen in order for that to take place for, for someone to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put my ideas aside. I'm going to put my, maybe my ego aside and I'm going to empower someone. And, and the hardest part I think is to support when maybe things don't go the way that we all wanted them to go, which definitely in marketing and sales and experimentation, it's a, it's a series of failures that ultimately lead to some few successes. Um, right. How can you, how can you guide people to let go of themselves? It's, there's this David Gray song that I always think about, which is like, like go, he talks about this idea of letting go of yourself, letting go of your yeah. mind and letting go of yourself. And it's, and what is that? It's fear. It's the ego. It's, it's bad habits, you know? Yeah. yeah. So how, how can you provide guidance on that? Because that's probably one of the hardest things I think, especially for people that are seasoned. Yeah, been, for sure. You know, slamming the desk for 20 years. <laughs> um, it's, it's teaching somebody how to trust, which is, isn't, trust. isn't, yeah. It's, it's not easy, um, but if they truly understand that caring for the business and if they've been there a while, obviously they do, but you have to strip away all the garbage and get down to the root issue, right? Do they, do they want to see the business succeed? Um, do they want to be a part of that? And do they understand that change has to be part of that and change in themselves has has to be part of that too right um if if they've gotten 
to a very successful point in their careers and their lives, I, I truly believe there's something in them that will understand that they're, they're intelligent. They, they've gotten there for a reason. Mm. So they, at the, at the root of it, they, they will understand to a certain extent that maybe they have to change as well. So if you can teach somebody how to trust in the people around them, um, then you can do that. I think a big part of that is just, you know, sit in a room with your team of people, shut your mouth and just listen, mm. right? Just listen, get in a room for like an hour with everybody on your team and say, all right, folks, what do we got to do? Mm. And just, just make, make sure that, you know, there's no repercussions. There's no consequences. You know, it's like the old idea. There's no stupid ideas, right? Mm. There's stupid questions, whatever. But that has to be, you know, abundantly clear up front. And then make sure everybody understands that you're there strictly to listen and that you trust that their, their ideas not only are going to be listened to, but actionable, right? I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a room uh, doing gap analysis and SWOT analysis, and then in a year, nothing changed, mm. nothing so does it make sense to sit in a room, waste all that time if, if nothing is, is actionable, right? So it's one thing to, to listen, which is great. We need more leaders to actively listen. But now you have to take it to the next level, right? It's like sending out an employee satisfaction survey, you know, every six months to a year and then watch it go into the shredder. <laughs> you know, what, what's the point, right? What's the right. point? So um, just getting through to leadership that, you know, if you want real change, if you want your business to get to the next level, if you can get through to them, uh, the concept that, you know what, if you're not willing to do this, your, your 20 most successful competitors are, maybe that then will register through their brains that, oh, you know, I, I better get on the bus here. You're right. Self-awareness, I think, is, is, is an important part of this. And I think self-awareness from an individual perspective, but also from a corporate perspective to understand, you know, you, we as an entity versus our competitors and what's out there in the workplace, but also as just individuals. And understanding what some of our weaknesses are and then specifically sometimes why we can't trust because i think if you think about trust in terms of why people can't trust sometimes you know it might be based on a number of things it could be based on fear it could be based on precedent it could be based on you know insecurity it could be based on just straight ignorance right you know um but how can we become more self-aware um yeah that's that's a tough one um Self-awareness, I think, is is more of an, an innate personality trait. Um, some people, and this this is just my opinion. I think some people are just naturally more self-aware than others. I mean, I I consider myself almost too self-aware. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm always self-analyzing uh, myself, um, maybe to a detriment. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's helped me more than it's hindered. That I know for a fact. Um, but you're right. Self-awareness is absolutely critical uh, in any leadership position, knowing, you know, what your faults are, uh, knowing where you have to improve. But, you know, in a similar fashion to sitting in that room and listening, you have to be able to sit in a room and be open to constructive criticism. Um, and then being able to then look in a mirror at yourself and say, you know what, I think they're right. And I think I can do something about that to, to improve myself for the common good, right? Because uh, a lot of that just boils down to just being simply selfish, right? Um, and if you can get over that, uh, that, that is then the key. You know, make somebody understand that, you know, what are you in this for, right? You, you work for this organization, you, you claim that it's about the clients and, and this, that, or the other, but at the end of the day, it's not about you, right? You know, these people aren't here for you. Um, you have to understand that it's bigger than you, right? It's you're in leadership for them. Uh, your job as a leader is to create more leaders, right? That, that's, that's your job. Your job is to lead the business, but, but lead the people in a way that they can become better people, um, better business people, better people for their clients, um, create better products, services, um, and they need somebody who can, like, like you said, kind of let go of control and guide them in a way uh, to allow them, allow their imaginations to, to do that. Um, and that, that's, it's not easy, but it's, it's certainly uh, something that can be done. And I think that confidence is such an important part of that, which I think is one of the hardest things to get. I'm reminded of how many leaders I have worked under or for where intimidation was such a big part of their, of their process, of their, of their leadership yeah. process and their leadership yeah. style. Because the last thing that a leader with you know, the lack of confidence wants to see is someone whom they are leading exceed them, outdo them, right, right, <laughs> outshine them, and I love how you said that the goal of a leader is to make more leaders, and the best leaders—that's what they're always focused on. And they, you know, the higher you go, the more humility you see, the more self-awareness you see, the more apologies you see, the more maybe listening, mm -hmm. you know, you see, and. But I feel like in that interim, you know, people that haven't necessarily made it as leaders, quote unquote, per se, you know, are still stuck in some of these things that you're talking about, like yeah. lack of empowerment, 
lack yeah. of confidence, you know, more fear, lack of trust. It's like a leap of faith almost. That you're, what you're describing to me is almost like a leap of faith. It, it can be. Um, you just have to come, always come back to why you're doing what you're doing, mm. right? Um, is it is it to lead the business? Is it to make more money? Um, is it to gain a title? You know, why are you doing what you're doing? Um, it, it, you, you have to figure out your why. I mean, that that's so critically important because if it's just to, you know, make an extra 20K a year or get that corner office, well, that's just stuff. Right? Who cares? In 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 thirty years, when you're you know on your deathbed, whatever the case may be, that's gone. Right? It's it's gone. Who who gives a shit? Right. Um, but but what lasts are people's memories, how you made them feel. Um, you know, they're going to be talking about the person who helped them get to their goals. You know, the stories that they're going to tell about, oh, man, I had the greatest mentor I've ever had in my life. I'll never forget him or her, right? That's That should be the goal, right? That should be the goal of every leader to be the story that's told about them 20 years down the road. And I'll, I'll tell you one, one, one suggestion. Uh, that I, I want everybody to do. If they ever find themselves in a leadership position, if they're new, whatever the case may be, this is something that I did that worked. And you know, it, it, and I'll, I'll always do it. If I ever find myself in this situation, I was new to a leadership role. The very first thing I did, very first thing, I scheduled one-on-one -on -one meetings with every single person on my team, okay? One-on-ones. And we just sat and we talked, you know, nothing pre-planned. We just talked. I wanted to get to know every single person professionally, a little bit personally, nothing, you know, crazy, you know, I don't care if you're Sagittarius or, you know, whatever. Um, but just, you know, who, what makes you, you, you know, what motivates you? What, um, what are your professional goals? Um, and then, what can I do to help you get there? Right. That should be the key. What, what do I need to do as the leader of this to get you to that, that next level or where you want to be in your life? Mm -hmm. And I did that with every single person. And what that did was not only help me help them, but it, it established trust. Right. I wasn't just some Joe Schmo that came through the door. Oh, here's our new boss. Right. It, it told them and helped them understand that I was here to build the business, grow the business. But I understood that they were the cogs to, to make it happen. I understood that they it, it wouldn't happen without them. Right. So we were a team at that point. So it, it just did so much. So anybody who sees this, do it. It's worth it. Um, it builds trust. It builds teamwork. Um, it, it, it gives everybody that, that empowerment that we talk about. Um, it's, 
I, I can't uh, encourage everybody enough to, to, to do that. Well, what I love about this idea is it's this idea of how can I support you and how can I support our unified goals? And specifically, the leader might say, what are the things that I can improve as the leader? Like, what are you, mm -hmm. what are you missing? What do you need? I mean, great. We all want more growth. We all want more revenue, more engagement, more better, better stuff, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But what is it that you're lacking in order to, in order to accomplish the mission? And by doing that, it's, I feel like it's some level of self-awareness, some level of vulnerability, open-mindedness yeah. um, to kind of put yourself out there and to not put, you know, come at this in a situation where you're pointing a finger, rather you're, you're saying, look, what is it, what is it that I can do or that, or the organization can do? Right. Exactly. One of the things that I always think about is, is this, is this idea of a common mission, a common goal, and then how everyone can feel incentivized and aligned on this common goal. You know, one of my favorite uh, dysfunctions about a, a misunified goal is this idea of everyone is trying to accomplish different things. The marketing department is trying to get more leads. The sales department is trying to get more closes. The support department is trying to get more, you know, high five-star ratings. You know, the technology department is trying to get, you know, less bugs, more features. I, I think that one of the things that I, I think is we're going through right now is this, is this paradigm shift of an alignment of all departments, all companies, all team members, so that we're all effectively going towards the same thing, which is, I think, one of your first things, which is happiness. You know, it's client happiness. Yeah. And how, how would you suggest that companies can do a better job to align everyone? whether it's in a bonus situation or whether it's in a mission situation, how do we better align ourselves? Yeah, I think you kind of, you kind of nailed it. Um, you know, just defining the mission, mm. right? Uh, having a well-defined vision and mission statement uh, for the, for the business, I think is key. Uh, and then making sure everybody truly understands what that means. Um, I think most companies, uh, I, I won't he hesitate to guess a, a number or put a percentage to it, but most companies have a boilerplate vision and mission statements out in the lobby framed really nice, hung on the wall. And that's where it stays. Nobody ever talks about it. Um, it looks good for clients who come in for a visit, looks good for candidates coming in for an interview, but it doesn't mean squat, mm -hmm. right? because nobody talks about it. Nobody even knows what it means. Um, but that's, that's where you can get it right, right? Um, you, you have to talk about it all the time. If it's well-defined and it actually means something to people, why are you going to work every day? I mean, you spend so much time at work. Think about it. Eight, eight, 10, 12 hours every single day. And for what? What's the purpose? What's the goal? You need people who understand that, right? If it's, if it's you're working to find a cure for cancer, right? You're doing research at the hospital. Um, you know, there is a mission, right? 
everybody understands that mission. But if you're making widgets, you know, well, are people just coming in for a paycheck? Maybe. But if there's more to it, if there's a leader who understands that maybe this widget is is making some kid happy in some war-torn area of the uh, country or the world, maybe that's the mission. Or maybe they're donating money to a, um, you know, to, to some charity. Maybe that's the mission. But whatever it is, everybody has to rally around that, that vision and mission and the goal. Um, and I think that's how you can, you can bring people together like that. Nice, man. Uh, speaking of bringing people together, how can, how can people learn about you? Well, I'm, I'm incredibly active, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on, you know, virtually every day posting ideas, thoughts, suggestions for anybody looking to improve their, their leadership, uh, their company culture, uh, whatever the case may be, I love helping. Uh, my reward is, you know, ultimately seeing others achieve their goals and, and get to where they want to be uh, professionally, personally, wherever the case may be. Um, I also have a website, uh, seenitallconsulting.com. Uh, I also have a um, uh, showcase page within LinkedIn, uh, which outlines, you know, what, what my goals are, uh, who I am as a person, um, and what I, what I enjoy doing. And nice here's man. one of my daughters. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's <Hey>. Ella. <laughs> Hello. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, really thank you, Ruben. Oh, no, I thank you very much. I, I really enjoyed uh, my time, and I appreciate you uh, making time for me. It was, it was a blast. Likewise, Ryan. See you on LinkedIn. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate right. it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.